Welcome to the Service Academy Sorority, a space where women that have graduated from the service academies can share their stories and build a sense of camaraderie and sisterhood. This episode features Liz Reed, a 2010 graduate from the U.S. Naval Academy. In this episode, you'll hear all about Liz's lifelong journey towards a career in aviation, including the highs and lows of her time at the academy, as well as the sudden and difficult transition she had to make out of the military post-graduation. This episode is a great example of perseverance and illuminates how even with the best laid plans, sometimes we have to pivot. Liz does this beautifully, and you'll learn all about how she picked up the pieces to create an amazing life and business. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Liz. Thanks so much, Victoria. I'm, I'm really happy to be here today. Awesome. So can you start out by telling everyone where you're from, what school you went to, and when you graduated? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia, and I went to the Naval Academy for undergrad and graduated in 2010. Nice. Nice. Uh, to start, can you give everybody one to two lines about who you are today? I work with veterans on their job search and networking skills with a company I started called Boots to Board um, and currently live in Austin, Texas. And in my free time, I love traveling and spending time with my husband and our two dogs. Awesome. So to begin, let's go back to the beginning when you were deciding where to go to college. Uh, What made you choose a service academy and what made you specifically choose the United States Naval Academy? Service Academy started at a very young age for me. I dreamed about being a pilot ever since I was young. And um, when we would go on planes and traveling with my family, I just loved the takeoff and landing part of the plane flight. Um, I was also Amelia Earhart for Halloween when I was seven. (laughs) And yeah, and I was devastated because none of my classmates knew who she was, um, of course, when when you're seven. And, um, yeah, and, you know, the military itself was actually never really presented to me as an option growing up. And I think this is probably because I was a woman and also grew up in a very liberal family. So um, I didn't actually learn about the academies until my senior year of high school when I started applying to colleges. Mm. And I chose to attend a service academy really to make that aviation dream into reality. And the academy seemed really like a perfect fit given my interest in flying. So I chose the Naval Academy specifically because I had a friend there and it was also very close to my family on the East Coast. Gotcha. So you just started looking into different options to make that aviation dream a reality. Yeah, absolutely. So I I had applied to the Air Force Academy and the Naval Academy, mostly because I think um, most of our graduates were pilots from both schools. And um, I chose the Naval Academy just because of the proximity to my family. Gotcha. Okay. And is there a history of military in your family? There actually is. So my grandfather was in the Navy and my father was in the Navy. And you would think that that would have been a big topic of discussion growing up. But again, I think um, I really had to uh, put the pieces together as um, an 18 year old when I started looking at schools. It really just wasn't presented to me as an option. I think again, because I was a woman. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. So on that note, then, what was their reaction when you told them? No, great question, Victoria. Um, So they were very excited. I think my my grandfather, um, you know, in World War II, I think the military was like really great for him. And he was able to get, you know, sort of education benefits and go to school after that. Um, 
my mother, again, coming from like a very liberal family, when I think when she was growing up, um, she experienced a lot of when people would come back from Vietnam, um, society wasn't really, you know, promoting and, and really like big fans of the veterans that were coming back at that time. And so I think that she was a little bit concerned about that. Um, and, and just like how, you know, in normal society, people would be portraying people in the military. Um, but long story short, I'm uh, pretty good at, you know, getting my way when I need to and, and sort of encouraging people on those things. So my mom ended up being very supportive at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Did you have clarity over what kind of aviation you wanted to do? Yes, great question. So I wanted to fly jets. And so um, there was definitely, you know, especially when you go to the Naval Academy, the the top gun (laughs) mentality of (laughs) being able to fly off planes. But I was um, growing up, I loved anything high speed, super adrenaline um, that I could get my hands on. So um, I definitely had my heart set on jets when um, I joined the Academy. It's so funny that you said you enjoy like the takeoff and the landing because I know that's like the worst part for me personally. (laughs) (laughs) And I think for most people. So that's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know why. It's just sometimes you just gravitate towards things like that, I guess. Yeah. 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 So, okay. How was the process of applying and did you have a struggle or did you get right in? Yeah. So another good question. I actually took a gap year before I applied to the Naval Academy. So I, um, you know, again, I didn't learn about service academies until my senior year of high school. And by the time I really decided that I wanted to go, had already applied and been accepted to a different school, a liberal arts school in California. Um, and so I knew I was going to take a gap year because I had been wanting to do some traveling um, felt a little bit burnout, honestly, from high school and wanted to go just see the world because I was 18. Um, and so I ended up taking a year off um, and lived abroad during that time. And so when I applied to the academy, um, I was on my year off. And I, and I still think to this day, that's probably one of the reasons I got accepted because I <laughs> was the only candidate, I would say, that was probably calling from New Zealand, which is where I was living at the time. So I think the admissions office probably knew, my, knew me by name because I would always call at all these weird hours and leave messages saying, hey, I'm in New Zealand. I'm applying. I really want to come to your school. Um, let me know what I can do, that type of thing. So. Um, Anyway, long story short, Victoria, it was a little convoluted because I was abroad, um, but ended up getting, um, I was lucky I got into both the Air Force Academy and the Naval Academy and had that choice. That is fascinating. So I I love that. And I think it's counterintuitive to me because I'm like, oh, she took a year off. And I think it'd be like easy to assume that a school like the Naval Academy or the Air Force Academy could look at that as like, what is this person doing? Mm -hmm. But instead it like worked to your advantage, which is really good to hear. (laughs) It's really good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think it it set me apart from other applicants just because you're, you're not as cookie cutter when you're, when you're sitting in the stack of applications. So I think it, it was super helpful. I definitely encourage it if people are thinking about it. And I think that, uh, listeners would be mad at me if I didn't ask what you were doing in New Zealand for this year. Yes. Oh, man. It was one of the best years ever. Um, I was working in a boarding school and was a high school volleyball coach, and oh. it was wonderful. <laughs> so That's I, um, awesome. Yeah. yeah, in high school, I was captain of my team um, and just 
loved it and and through a, a long network of friends of friends of friends um wanted to to go abroad um and ended up in new zealand and, and got a job they gave me sort of room and board um and got to spend my time just hanging out with high school kids and, and teaching them volleyball and it was a blast and you were by yourself not with your parents correct i was i was all by myself living abroad um seeing the world learning how to be self-sufficient huh. um and it was just a really wonderful year oh, that's an awesome experience to have at 18 years old it was um, cool. <clears throat> yeah so okay so did you you said you applied to the air force academy did you actually go and look at the air force academy or really you were kind of set on the naval academy yeah, so I did not go look at the Air Force Academy. Navy was my first choice for a few reasons. Um, first off being that I, I knew people at the Naval Academy. Um, and so when I was thinking of, of joining the military, which felt very foreign to me to begin with, um, I, I felt a little better just having a friend um, who was, had already gone through plebe year. He was finishing his plebe year at that time. So um, that was really what made the Naval Academy my first choice as well. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so you're in New Zealand, you apply, you find out you got in while you're in New Zealand, or were you back in Atlanta when you found out? Yeah, by that time I was back in Atlanta. Um, I, I came back, I think, in maybe February or March time frame, because I knew if I, if I was lucky enough to get into a service academy that I was going to need to, to spend the next couple of months getting physically prepared, um, because I was not doing a lot of um, sports and, and everything in New Zealand when I was there. I was, I was teaching volleyball, but not actually playing a lot of it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you, you get back to Atlanta, you found out you got in. Um, and then did you just prepare yourself to for, for boot camp or basic training? Yep. You call it sleep summer, but yeah, same, same oh, thing. For sure. um, I can't get these straight. What? I don't know. <laughs> what? We it's call ours in doc. Yeah. Okay. Sleeve <laughs> okay. summer. So, yeah. okay. So you come home for plebe summer. And did you, uh, were you training and getting ready? Is that what you were doing? Yeah, I spent a couple of months just doing um, as many push-ups and sit-ups and running. Running was never my thing. I was a swimmer in high school and also played volleyball, but a lot of volleyball players can't run fast. Um, and so like long distance running, which I knew we'd be doing during plebe summer in the humidity in Annapolis was, was not something I was super prepared for, but I tried my best before coming in. Gotcha. Hey, listen, George is humid. <laughs> yeah, I just was, running was just never my thing. Generally, swimmers are not runners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, okay, so you arrive. How did that first summer go? Yeah, so <laughs> that's so many things that come to mind, Victoria. Um, Cleve summer was a massive wake-up call. Um, lots of struggling. I think it was, you know, learning how to even do things like salute and standard attention and um, walk in lockstep with people and just things like that. It was um, especially, you know, coming from living on my own and being self-sufficient to, to sort of jumping into an environment where your all of your time is controlled um, was absolutely a wake-up call, but, but we got through it. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting to think about because you're right. I mean, when you come right from high school, you're kind of used to being in this system, you know, with a yeah. lot of structure and here you are, you know, really learning to be independent in a way that I actually don't think the military teaches you. So, no. um, <laughs> so yeah, what a, what a swing. Um, I could see that being tough. Uh, mm -hmm. okay. But okay. So 
so, but you made it through the summer. Um, yep. And I definitely want to hear about some of those lowlights. But before we dive into that, let's talk about your time at the Academy. If you had to sum it up into one word, what would you choose? Yeah, I actually love this question. And I, I have so many words, but I can choose one for you today. Um, I think my one word for the purposes of this podcast would be friendship. And the reason for that is um, all of my best friends to this day were in my class at the Naval Academy. And um, I find that I really gravitate towards veterans, regardless of where I am and what I'm doing in the world, because we all have a wonderful willingness to be a part of something much larger than ourselves. And we truly have a perspective on life that that few others get. And so I find um, even in my day-to-day in the workplace, um, things are going crazy, uh, you know, things are just a little bit bonkers. Um, I feel like we are able to stay pretty level-headed because we've seen things be so much more crazy in the military. Um, and I just appreciate that about veterans. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, okay. So on that note, let's, let's dive into some of the high points of your time at the Academy. Some of the things that really stand out. Yeah. Um, there are so many highlights and opportunities um, that, that, that the Academy gives you. And I think um, to start with, um, I was lucky enough to be on brigade staff my senior year, um, which was such a blast. Um, and in my role on brigade staff, I learned how to lead large groups of people and how to delegate, which um, when I was learning, uh, I, I didn't really know the importance of it, but it's really something that I use every day with my current team. Um, And, you know, other opportunities that I loved, I was on the crew team and in Glee Club, which were really great outlets for my energy. And then um, lastly, I had the opportunity to spend a semester at the Air Force Academy, um, which is funny since I had applied. Um, And I I got there and I loved it. It was such a blast. Um, I got to participate in their jump program. Um, which is probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. It was just um, such a blast. And I don't know how many other colleges allow you to skydive for your PE class, but it was just <laughs> one, like, it was just so cool. I loved it. <laughs> wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and that must've been a nice transition from, you know, the humidity and the sea levelness of Annapolis all the way yeah. up to the mountains of Colorado. Yeah. We, yeah. we had such a great semester. It was so um, fun. That's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. And did, now, how did that work? Did you go by yourself or were you with other people? Yeah. Um, so they, you know, I think the academies usually have about maybe like 10 to 12 um, cadets and midshipmen each year exchange. So there's a formal program that occurs. Um, and so um, in your junior year, I think regardless of which school you can, you can choose to go to um, West Point or Air Force, I, I'm not sure about um, Coast Guard or Merchant Marine. Um, but that's sort of the formal program that they have. So I had the opportunity to go with um, about 10 of my classmates from the Naval Academy, and we spent the semester, the fall semester there back in 2008. So that was your second class year? Yes. Yeah, okay. my, my junior flash, second class year. Junior class, okay. Okay, gotcha. Um, so when you applied to that program, was it because you were, had an interest in aviation that you would get accepted or anyone could do that? Yeah, great question. I, there, there was the interest in aviation, um, but in, in, I think in, in full transparency on, on these podcasts, um, I was definitely feeling burnt out in some cases from the Naval Academy and, and needed to, to change up the scenery a little bit. So I was um, 
very glad to be able to get out of Annapolis for that particular semester. And just, um, I had never spent time in Colorado Springs and, and loved the mountains, um, got to explore Pikes Peak and all this other great stuff. And it was just a, a really good break. Awesome. Okay. So it sounds like there's some stuff there though with the being burned out and we'll get into that, but let's yeah. talk, talk a little bit more about some of the highlights. Did you, uh, did you play a sport while you were there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was on the crew team, um, my first two years at the Naval Academy. And then, um, I also, um, loved singing. So I had the opportunity to be in the glee club as well and did that for, I think, uh, at least three years, maybe four. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And was that, that was a high point for you or? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think both of those are great. It's, um, I feel like your plebe year, you try to do whatever varsity sport you can get onto because you're, <laughs> you, need yeah. to, you need to get out of the hall. Yeah. Um, yeah, and have a break from all the military training. So I think that was, that was wonderful. Um, just met some really great people on the team and you get a chance to take a break from, from being a plebe and just sort of get to be yourself for a couple of hours yeah. during the day. And, and I think that was super valuable for me as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we know the sports, we know the friendships you made, and the exchange program that you did. Uh, were there mm -hmm. any other highlights? So I had an amazing opportunity um, to be able to go to Alaska for summer training. Um, so I spent, you know, during summer training, two of the three months of your summer, you are, are effectively like working in the military and trying out new things in, in different areas. Um, and I think between my junior and senior year, my summer training block was uh, me going to Alaska with a group of, I think, 10 or 15 other midshipmen. Um, and we got to do a, a sea kayaking trip through Knowles, which is National Outdoor Leadership School. Um, and it was so cool. We, you know, we didn't shower for 23 days, which was oh really, goodness. yeah, it was really <laughs> disgusting. Like I definitely used an entire bottle of shampoo when I got back. Um, but it was just a really cool, um, way to, to learn more about the environment. Um, we, we also did a lot of things like, um, we were reading maps and then sort of like leading our own classmates and figuring out where we were going to set up camp, um, based on sort of our, the duration that we were in the water during the day. Um, and it was just, it was a really cool sort of small unit leadership opportunity that, um, I can't imagine getting anywhere else. Um, and it was just amazing that um, the academies let us do things like that. Yeah, that is incredible. I've never heard of that experience before. Like, I've never heard anyone talk about anything like that. So what drew you to that opportunity? Yeah, um, I think, you know, I, I felt like at the academy, I, I sort of went into the academy with this mindset of, I'm just going to try everything I can a little bit. And I, and I hadn't done, honestly, growing up, my family and I never camped. Um, that just wasn't, wasn't our, our thing. Um, and I, and I really wanted to, I'd never been to Alaska. I wanted to go see that. That was on my list. Um, and so it, it all just worked out in terms of the, the training opportunity for me. It's so interesting because I can just tell you personally that I, I get so inspired when I hear people like you who went in with this idea that, you're going to take every opportunity you can and you have that awareness at that age because I can tell you myself that that's one of my personal regrets is like not, I mean, I, I went to the Merchant Marine Academy, so I traveled all over the mm -hmm. world, but I feel like I wasn't really aware of that. Like 
take every chance you can to try all these things because academies offer so many opportunities. And it's just really cool to hear that you had that perspective even at that age. So it's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I feel like, um, I, I heard so much from classmates about different opportunities. I felt like, I don't know if they were always published, um, but it was, you know, you, you go, you get back from summer and you're like, what did you do this summer? And there's 1200 of us that come back from our class. Right. And it's just, you're, you're spot on with just the amazing um, variety and options that the academies give you in terms of learning opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, okay. So, so throughout this whole time, it sounds like you've had amazing opportunities, which I can definitely see plays into this word of friendship. Cause I'm sure the bonds you made with all these experiences were really solid. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but through this time, how were academics going for you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a couple of answers to that question, Victoria. So, um, I've always been, I was super fortunate, um, had a pretty solid academic background coming into the Naval Academy, but um, something that I did struggle with is that I had um, a learning disability growing up. So I had ADHD um, diagnosed as a, as a, I think, seven or eight-year-old. And um, I actually went off of medication to attend the academy because I wasn't sure if I was going to get into the academy with a learning disability. Um, I had a feeling that I definitely wouldn't be able to fly with a learning disability. And so um, I chose to go off the medication before I got in. And um, I struggled with that medication because I had very high standards for myself and um, wasn't always performing at my 100%. And so I often felt an internal sense of conflict because I knew that I could really be doing better, but was struggling. Oh, that is so tough. Mm-hmm. That is so tough. So, so you were on that medication basically for your whole life or... Yes. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm still on that medication today, actually, after I got out of the military, that was one of the first things I did was go back on medication. So was it focus and stuff like that? Is that where the big, were those the biggest struggles for you? Yeah, it was, it was, it was focus. It was, um, organization was mm-hmm. very much a struggle for me. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you have to be on time everywhere you go in the military. Um, yeah. time was a struggle for me. Um, I felt like I was habitually late to class. Um, either that or I would try to compensate and, and get there like 15 minutes early um, and sort yeah. of waste time. Um, so yeah, I think just the, the day-to-day um, and, and people, you know, when you get to the summer and everyone's yelling at you and trying to sort of take in your, all the scenery, um, but focusing on the person who's telling you what to do, um, I think was also something that was challenging for me. Yeah. And that internal struggle, knowing that like, there's this little thing you could do to avoid all this heartache that you're feeling. I mean, that must've been hard too. Uh, yeah, completely. And, and I, sure, could you tell people about it? No. So I never yeah. disclosed to anybody um, oh. because I was concerned about um, potentially getting disqualified um, yeah. from any, any flight program or even getting uh, kicked out of the Naval Academy. I think at this point, I, I believe they have waivers, yeah. um, but I, I just didn't realize that that was even an option. Wow. Oh, that is so tough. That is so yeah. tough. Um, I'm curious though, uh, because, I mean, you obviously are very self-aware and you know that this isn't, this is something that is a struggle for you and um, that you're not taking the medication. So did you find that you developed like little tools or techniques to overcome some of the struggle you were having? 
Oh yeah, absolutely, Victoria. Um, I think so many things that, that come to mind, but I think, um, you know, double checking everything, especially when it comes to academics, I, I sometimes would would have to be very thorough and almost to the point of, of being a little bit OCD on those types of things because you sort of have to compensate for things like careless errors um, that you make naturally when you hurry. Um, and so I, that's definitely a way that, that I compensated. Um, I wrote down so many things, um, just took, you know, copious notes. I sometimes recorded notes on my phone. Um, so it just like push the record button before a lecture, for example, so I could make sure I got everything. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I think, um, over time, uh, you, I really learned a lot of great ways to compensate. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, cause obviously like being able to take your medication would have made your life a lot easier in a lot of ways. And, yeah. um, but you were still very successful and you graduated and you got through. So I'm curious, like, do you feel that there were any positive lessons you learned by having to force yourself to come up with all these creative ways to make it through without the medication? Yeah, I think, I think to start with, I, I know that I can do fine without the medication and, and that, um, you know, I think something I learned, because to your point, I, I was lucky enough and did well in some areas that sometimes even, even my worst in some, in some days can still be some people's best. Um, so I think that was, that was something that was helpful for me to learn. Um, and then honestly, I think the environment also can sometimes help people with ADD because um, something that we, we, we do crave and that helps us um, at the end of the day is having that structure. And so there was an element of, you know, when all of your time is planned and you don't really have to spend time making decisions on those types of things, or you don't, you know exactly where you need to be at what time and in what uniform and what you need to do. Um, and so I think that that, you know, and this will depend on, on other people who have ADD that went to the academies might have different theories here. Um, but I think that structure really does help um, with productivity in some ways. I mean, that makes total sense to me, uh, knowing a lot of people with ADD and ADHD, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it kind of, it creates more bandwidth to put in all the other things that you need to be thinking about. It yeah. just uh, removes those, those choices. Yeah. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all right. But so, so while you were at the Academy, it sounds like your goal, your goals were still pretty clear. It sounds like you still wanted to go aviation. Um, you worked towards that throughout your entire time, correct? While you were there? Mm -hmm. that was, okay, that was, yep, the okay. that was the goal. Okay. So before we move on to, you know, post-graduation and that whole piece, let's get into some of the lowlights of your time at the Academy. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those as well. Um, another, you know, a big low light um, was really that plebe year. I sort of alluded to this was extremely challenging for me. I was a terrible plebe. Um, I think, you know, one of the big things because I took a gap year before starting um, and had been efficient and living abroad on my own. So going from being self-sufficient um, and then being in an environment where I just had no control over my time and schedule, um, was a extremely tough transition for me. I remember my my first night at the Naval Academy bawling, staying up all night, being like, this was a very bad decision. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I shouldn't be here. Um, and it just, you know, I think it was a wake-up call. Um, and then 
you know, other aspects of Cleavier, and I think in general at the Naval Academy, um, I sometimes felt harassed at times and targeted um, for being a woman, which mm. honestly caused a lot of anxiety and, and on my behalf and, and honestly, a few, even panic attacks, my Cleavier. Um, so I recall instances where people told me things like I shouldn't be there um, and that women weren't welcome at the Naval Academy. Um, and other things like that. And it wasn't, you know, on a regular basis, but it's something that really uh, stays in your mind, in my mind, even to this day. Yeah. And it's such a high pressure environment where you have so much going on and so much self-doubt in things already mm -hmm. um, to hear those kinds of things. It's just, it's just not helpful, you know, and it, yeah. can, it can really get into your psyche. Um, yeah. So you said you almost had some panic attacks about it. Like what, Tell me more about that. Yeah, so um, I had a panic attack. Um, I'm trying to think of <laughs> the time, maybe like one or two times, but um, my plebeer, I, we had a, a, something called a professional knowledge board that every plebe at the end of the year um, essentially goes in front of their leadership and can be asked a zillion questions were related to um, Navy platforms. So they could tell, they could say like, okay, Liz, tell me, tell me all about the F-35 and like what's, in, what's included in the F-35, what are you looking for? Um, tell me about the program, you know, all the specs on the F-35. And um, for me, like, again, like not having experienced anything military related before coming in, learning about all of those things with ships and all this other stuff, um, that was anxiety provoking just going in front of people and, and having to sort of speak to those things like you know what you're talking about as a plebe. Mm. Um, yeah, and so I remember um, I got in front of my senior leadership after studying so much, like as much as humanly possible. Um, I, and the first question they asked me was, um, what is the mission of the United States Naval Academy? Which is literally the first thing that you learn as a plebe. Like they, they hand you your, your, all of your knowledge. And that's literally the first question they ask you, I think day two of plebe summer. And I couldn't remember it. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like my, um, you know, I had a, one of my training officers, I think, um, was trying to intimidate me, um, and looked at me at that point and was like, we're going to fail you completely on this board. And, um, and I, uh, I remember walking out of that room um, having, I think it was just one of the first times that I had tried my hardest to do something and just completely clammed up, um, from anxiety, um, and went into, um, sat in the shower in our room and had a panic attack, just closed oh. the door and had a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. My heart like breaks for you back then. Cause yeah, that I could just feel that. I know how when you build stuff up in that environment, you're already under so much pressure. And then like you, you're a perfectionist to begin with. Right. And yeah, completely. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh, and I, you know, I learned a lot that day though, Victoria, because I, um, or maybe it was the next day, but I had um, a really wonderful teacher who was my, my leadership professor that year. Um, and the next day, I think I was, I was still devastated by the whole thing. Um, and I remember walking into leadership class and I'm, I'm like tearing up. I can't stop crying. Um, and I stick out like a sore thumb in the class. And so the professor takes me outside and he's, I think he was a Navy commander, um, but one of my favorite professors. And he was, I, I think he thought that someone in my family had legitimately passed away or there was something. And I told him about my board and he was like, and I think he was trying to, he was trying to level set me, but he was like, this is fixable. 
<laughs> and, it, <laughs> and, it, and it was like, I, you know, I think the next week I did another uh, knowledge board and I passed it, but it, it was, um, it, it was good perspective to learn because I, I think to your point, you feel like the world is crumbling and that, um, you know, you're never going to survive plebeer and you're like, you know what, these things are, they're, they're not life and death at the end of the day. And, um, and everything was okay. Yeah. But they totally feel like they are when you're in it. They do. Yes. A thousand percent. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, so I feel for you back then. Cause it's like, I could totally see that happening to me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, but to your point, it is a great lesson and it sounds yeah. like the right person showed up to give that lesson, you know, and to help you through that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you made it through just fine the next week, right? I did. It was, it was fine the next week. We moved on. (laughs) (laughs) As we do when when we're that age. It's so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Were there any other lowlights you wanted to touch upon? So um, I still to this day, don't really know how football, the game of football works. I, after spending four years watching football, <laughs> like I have just personally like never been interested enough to really figure it out. Yeah. Um, and so, and per, so every, and I think just me personally, like I really hated having my time spoken for on the weekends, um, especially during plebe year. I think I needed, um, I needed that outlet of like wanting to get away from and off the yard, um, and so I, I, for me, that was just, I know some people love the football games and they think like being in the new stadium is the best thing since sliced bread. Um, but for me personally, it just wasn't really my thing. Um, uh, yeah, that's, it's, <laughs> tough. it's tough. I, I, I can feel you on that. Like when you already, you go through such a stressful week and then you dread the weekend because you have to go to the football <laughs> game. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. Army Navy was always for fun. I think that's by far. And, and to this day, I think uh, Army Navy is really the only Army Navy and the Navy Air Force are the two football games that I watch every year. Yeah. Um, but even going to, a, I went to a, a big school for, for graduate school and youth and um, football is very um, super important part of that. And I was never at a game. It's just really not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Yeah. That was a low light. I get it. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that was a yeah. low light. But sometimes other people's highlight, right? I think a lot of people really like that stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, listen, I feel you on the low light piece on that, but. <laughs> so, but um, okay. And were there any other like major lessons that you learned that you um, just from your time in the academy that you want to share? Yeah. So I think that you know the most important thing that I learned, Victoria, is. Um, and it's still amazingly helpful today, but it's really how to persevere in the face of adversity. So um, I think, you know, we talked about the, the knowledge board plebeer coming into plebeer, having no understanding of what the military would entail or could entail um, and learning and, and learning to the point where I was able to, lucky enough, knock on wood, do well um, through my senior year there. Um, I also learned to take risk and, and that it's okay to fail, right? Um, panic attack aside, um, because that's really how you learn at the end of the day and how you get better. And um, personally, I, I really think that if you can get through the academies as a woman, um, you're really prepared to face most of what life will throw at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just say a little bit more about that. What do you mean specifically? Uh, what are you thinking about when you say that? Yeah. So I think, you know, we touched upon it, but I think, um, a little bit of the harassment that I experienced there, and I think that, that all of us in some way have probably experienced it sometime. Um, 
you know, I, that doesn't stop at the academy. Um, I think, you know, I've, I've had, um, um, I was on the board of a company and um, met the, the, the board lead or the head of the board and was telling him about Boots to Board, which is the company I wanted to start and have started. And um, he was, um, he was also a Naval Academy grad, but um, much older. I think he was class of maybe 60 or something like that. Um, but he, <laughs> the, in the same sentence, he, um, he pretty much looked at me and was like, I wouldn't quit your day job. And then um, he also told me, um, I essentially, the only reason that I would do well if I did that is because I was an attractive woman. <laughs> and it was like a, it was like a, a double whammy. And, um, but I think that, um, I, you know, I, I listened to that and I heard it and it, and sort of the sirens are going off in your head when those things happen. Right. Yeah. Um, but when he said that, it just made me want to do my work 10 times better. So uh. I think that was a good, good learning experience. And so I feel, I feel like that aspect of it is, um, it's just a really wonderful and and simultaneously very difficult lesson for all of us to learn. It is. It is. I can just tell you that every Academy I've ever been on, um, including the Merchant Marine Academy, it just does still overall feel like a male dominated environment because it is. So it's just tough. I mean, they, they're really, I feel like they really do try to make women feel equal and inclusive. I, I do feel like the academies try, but I don't know. And maybe people would disagree with me, but at the end of the day, I do feel like, you know, you're still a minority and you feel that Yeah, you feel it. And then if you, it just takes a few people to confirm that you're not the majority Yeah, (laughs) to to mess with you. Right. So, uh, and then to have that in your professional life too. I mean, I wish I could say I was surprised, but it's, it's, no, I mean, uh, it still happens. Right. And I I think to your point, when you're, when you are a minority, you, you also feel like you're, you're very much under a microscope, um, which I'm sure contributed to some of my anxiety. Um, but I think it, um, it made me feel like at the end of that, you know, after getting through that and then even, you know, being in the, in the private sector, I feel like, um, you're that much more invincible at the end of it. Yeah. Just real quick though, going back to the learning disability piece, do you feel like that on top of everything else we're talking about um, was just another level of things that might've been causing you some anxiety? Yes. A thousand yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um, having to switch so quickly in between things. Um, I, I'm not explaining that very well, but like having, having to shift focus consistently um, was a challenge because I think something that's very um typical of ADD is that you hyper-focus. So you're, you're actually very good. I did this today, but I can dive into example, uh, an Excel spreadsheet, um, and come up after two or three hours and think that only 15 minutes have passed. Yeah. Um, that's actually something very stereotypical of, of, and, and comes with ADD. Um, it's a strength in a lot of ways, but I think that that consistently having to shift priorities, um, you're doing 10 zillion things a day, um, you have to be on time to everything. Your time's not your own. Um, and I think that, uh, to your point, I think that really contributed to a lot of the anxiety that I had. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my hope is that, you know, since you got through that, you now look back at yourself and view yourself as a major rock star for having gotten thank through you. all of that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you. Seriously. Um, all right. So let's dive in a little bit to your life post-graduation. So 
what was the plan as you were approaching graduation? Yeah, so um, the plan was, um, you know, I mentioned I come in um, wanting to get a pilot spot. That was um, my, my ultimate goal of coming out of the academy. Um, and I got a pilot spot out of the academy. So um, ended up uh, doing pretty well academically um, and um, selected into the pilot community, I think, uh, November of my first class year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so what did that mean exactly? What, what, what yeah. happened once you graduated? Yeah. So when I graduated, I moved down to Pensacola, Florida for flight training. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll get to this, but uh, life definitely had other plans for me. And um, I spent, you know, for the rest of my career, I spent about a year and a half in the flight program. Um, so did a lot of, you know, academics related to flight school and also ended up flying uh, the T-34, which is a, a turboprop plane for the military. It's sort of the the uh, initial trainer that most um, most pilots use when they go through flight training. Um, but I honestly really struggled with um, ADHD without medication. So um, I had a lot of issues with things like spatial orientation, which is super necessary when you're flying. Um, and also um, I, I alluded to this with hyper-focusing. So um, I, can, I, can, I can really focus on one thing really, really well, but I have a hard time doing a scan in an aircraft. So looking at you know, five or six things at a time and sort of making small tweaks based off of that. Um, so that's just something um, that was very much a struggle for me. And um, long story short, after about a year and a half, I ended up um, failing out of the flight program. Mm. So that's tough. So, because that had been your goal for, for your whole life. So, so tell me more about that part of things. Like, what did you hope to do afterwards? Yeah. And, and to your point, it was um, completely devastating for me um, yeah. because I had, I had spent the first 23 years of my life wanting to fly. And um, it felt like very much that I was in the program, um, you know, holding on for dear life, but was in the program one day and then just very much the next day was completely out. And um, I had I remember finishing my last check ride. Um, that they, when you, when you're struggling to fly, they, they do check rides on you to make sure you're hitting all the wickets. And, um, the commander that I was flying with, um, you know, we park the plane, we get our stuff together and, and I walk into the commander's office and sits down on the, the sofa and he said, okay, Reed, what are you going to do next? And I had about, you know, between that, there was five minutes processing time that occurred <laughs> mm. and, um, I really was at a complete loss because I had um, no plan B because I had, you know, that had just been my dream since I was little. Um, and I getting a pilot slot um, and selecting the aviation community, you're usually going to be serving for about 10 years. Um, and so I had just planned to be, you know, in the aviation community for, for the, until I was probably in my early 30s um, and had never really thought about doing anything else. So um mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a very tough transition for me um, to get out of the military at that point. Okay, so so tell tell me a little bit more here. So, um, had you, they still didn't know about the eighty the ADD or any of that stuff. Mm -mm. Okay. Yeah, I had still not disclosed that, um, and I I actually didn't disclose that throughout my entire time in the military. Okay, so as someone that has my own medical issues and my own medical journey with the military, I have to ask, like, how did you internalize that as, oh. as a contributing factor to being a reason that maybe you weren't 
successful in getting through flight school? Oh, it was, um, that's a wonderful question. I, I will tell you that I'm, I'm still working through some of that, but I think, um, I didn't connect the dots, honestly. I think, um, you know, the, the information I'm sharing about sort of connecting the, the dots of ADHD and that it, it makes sense, you know, hindsight's always 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly really felt and, and viewed myself as a, as a failure at that point. I didn't think that I was smart enough to go through flight school. Um, really, really struggled from a, a confidence standpoint. And yeah. so, um, yeah. yeah, it really, it, there was, there was a couple of weeks in there where I was definitely under my bed, um, trying to pick up the pieces, um, figuring out, okay, this is no longer a reality for me. What can I do next and what should I do next? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so tough, man. Um, all right. Well, but you did pick up the pieces. So tell yeah. me what you decided to do. Yeah. So, um, I transitioned out of the military having a very little idea of what I wanted to do. So, um, to buy time, I was lucky enough to get a job as a project manager um, working for a Naval Academy grad, actually, um, while I applied to graduate school. So um, I moved to Austin, Texas, and uh, did the full-time MBA program at the University of Texas. And while I was in the MBA program, I learned a ton about the private sector. Um, it was just a really great uh, sort of two-year break to sort of sit back and, and just learn. Um, really from both classes and also classmates alike. And so um, after business school, I went into the tech industry and spent a couple of years in a variety of roles, um, sales, program management, and then also supply chain. Mm. But um, my transition itself, Victoria, was, was very bumpy and came with a lot of trial and error. And um, I wanted to help others through this because it, there was, I, you know, I alluded to this with just a lot of emotion, a lot of confidence issues, um, trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B. And I, I think it's just, you know, the more I learn, it seems like everyone's are a little bumpy. So um, I actually started uh, my company, Boots to Board, in 2016 as a way to help other veterans with their transitions into the private sector. And... Um, Along the way, I also fell in love with recruiting and assisting others um, and have been a recruiter at Google for the past two years. So I I use my knowledge at Google um, to really help with my knowledge um, towards Boots to Board and to work with veterans and paying it forward. Okay. Oh, so many questions. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) which, which, but, but, but let me just start out by saying like, yes, you definitely picked up the pieces and that's incredible. Um, It sounds like you're very passionate and you know the, the universe god whatever you want to call it works in interesting ways but it's it like you're very passionate about what you do now and i can tell there's a really good energy there so thank clear, you clearly this journey has helped you get to this point um but let's go back for a second so okay so a year and a half you were in flight school right mm-hmm. um did that how how did you fulfill your whole military commitment did that count Great question. So um, I was actually very fortunate in some ways. Um, It didn't feel like it at the time, but um, when I was getting out, um, when when I moved off of um, the aviation track, um, I it was a time in the military, especially in the Navy. I can't speak for the other services where um, they weren't they weren't retaining a lot of people. So um, they were looking to get rid of a lot of junior officers, I think because the, the aviation pipeline was very heavy um, and we were backed up. So that essentially all the training that we were trying to do, we just had too many officers to do it. Um, so when 
you know, when I was looking at options, the only, the only option that was really presented to me was to uh, be a ship driver. Um, or I had the option to, to get out and, and not have to complete my commitment. So, um, I knew I had come in really only wanting to do aviation and I, I didn't see myself personally, ironically, um, ships sort of make me sick. I get, I get seasick on them, um, <laughs> which is super <laughs> ironic after four years at the Naval Academy. Um, but so at that point I, I was lucky enough and had the, the option to get out at that point. And so I took it. Got it. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense. And then you ended up working for the Naval Academy graduate MBA. Got it. Tech. Now I get the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so currently you are a recruiter for Google and you have mm -hmm. your own company, Boots to Board, which you yep. help people with all the logistics of transitioning and helping them figure out how to navigate that process. Um, so, so tell me about uh, what the transition was like for you, because you alluded to the fact that that was not easy. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, a couple of things come to mind, Victoria, but I, I don't think that the military does a great job of preparing you for the transition. Um, and I think this is across the board, but I remember, for example, once I knew that I was going to get out, I think I had three, maybe three or four months left as an ensign. Um, and at that point they were going to, they, they were going to cut me. Like I was going to have to be in, in the regular world trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I had a, a couple of months to sort of, to sort of sit back and think a little bit. Um, but I remember going to tap class, um, which is the transition assistance program. Um, and we had a resume review session that occurred, um, which was like one, maybe like one hour of the entire tap class. Um, and I remember sitting next to a person who wanted to be a truck driver um, and so he was doing a resume for, for a truck driver. And then I was doing a resume for, I think at that point, maybe law school or grad school. I really, I think I was exploring everything at that point, trying to figure it out. Um, but the, the, the gear started turning in my, in my head because I was like, I don't think we're going to have very similar resumes. And why is this class geared to everybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> smart, very so smart. I think we're going to be on the same page. And so, yeah. um, that really started that for me. Um, I also really had no idea how to do things like networking. Um, you know, in the military, you're given jobs. Um, I, I personally never got to the point, and I don't know many people who do get to choose what their next job is, um, but you never have to network to get into a role. Um, so the, the concept of things like using things like business cards and LinkedIn um, and, and uh, also tooting your... Uh, tuning your accomplishments, right? Mm -hmm. So talk, talking yourself up is not something that we do naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think it, it felt when I, was, when I was trying to start those things and, and learning those things as somebody who was, was trying to get a job and also somebody in, in business school, um, it felt very uncomfortable to me. Um, yeah. It did not come naturally to me. Um, mm. Yeah, and I think a lot of times... Um, you know, we tend to shy away from those things when they don't make us comfortable. And so what, what I try to do, um, you know, learning from all those things in my transition, I, I try to really coming from somebody who's been, um, you know, in the boots, right. As, as somebody who is a veteran and, and sort of went through that and now understands as a recruiter, what companies are looking for. Um, that's what I try to do is connect the dots for veterans with my company. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you help people, um, translate their skills in the military into a more uh, corporate or real world work environment? 
Yes. Yeah. That's what I, that's my bread and butter. And really my passion is just, um, giving veterans sort of the language that they need and the confidence that they need, um, to be able to go into these discussions and and apply for jobs. Awesome. So needed. So, so needed. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well now looking back, cause you know, you, you came out of uh, flight school, but it sounds like you found your niche for sure. Um, yeah. Looking back, how do you feel going to a service academy? Um, how do you feel about that decision? Yeah, um, no, it's a wonderful question. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, 10 years out, my answer is very different from probably what it would have been when I was finishing flight school in 2012. Um, but, you know, the academies are really amazing places to be from. But you know, I thought about quitting so many times when I was at the academy, Cleveland especially. Um, and I also applied to transfer to other schools. Um, you know, my plebe and sophomore year, I, I really was was ready to try something new. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm so glad in retrospect that I stuck it out because, uh, for a variety of reasons, I can't think of a better experience. And even even just being able to talk about the highlights on the podcast with you, Victoria, really like. Um, reminded me of some of those things. So it's wonderful to, to be able to, to bring those up. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, professionally, your, your job network is so powerful because um, people are always willing to lift others up and pay it forward. And I think veterans are just wonderful at that. Um, I've gotten a variety of interviews and jobs through networking with service academy grads and think it should be a really essential part of anyone's job search. And then um, you know, personally, the, the military really brought me to my favorite people in the world. So um, my best friends who were all in my class at Navy, and then um, also my husband, and I don't hold this against him, but he does happen to be a West Point grad. Uh, <laughs> did you meet him at an Army-Navy game, by chance? <laughs> you know, we actually, we did not, but we met at the, um, the veterans group at um, UT when I was getting my MBA. So he was transitioning yeah. out and I was transitioning out. Uh, well, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right. So, so what's next for you then? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm loving Austin, Victoria in my work. Um, so really plan to continue with Boots to Board and at Google for the foreseeable future. And um, as a next challenge and adventure, since those are my thing and I love them, um, my husband and I are likely going to start a family in the next few years. Oh, oh! Yeah. As someone that just had a baby, I'll tell you that's a new challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of learning, but yeah. I think I think we'll survive. We'll get through it. <laughs> You'll get through it. You certainly will. And I hope that you can say that with a hundred percent confidence, based on your whole journey that you just shared. For sure. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. Before we go, do you have any, uh, parting words for listeners, any key messages for your fellow service Academy sisters? Yeah. Parting message. I think depending on where you are in your, um, uh, trajectory throughout the military, I think if, if things are challenging, um, know that you're, you're not the only one, even if you feel like you're the only one and that, um, to be able to use as many resources as you can, whether it be like your, your good friends or even, um, you know, service Academy sorority, which I think Victoria is is such a wonderful thing that you're starting. Um, just having that, um, that network of people, um, to make you, make you realize that, um, you will get through whatever you're going through. 
Um, and, and likewise that people are rooting for you that you don't even know. Um, and, and I can, I can tell you, um, I, we're all rooting for everybody to be successful in these areas. So, um, just keep that in mind when things are challenging. Yeah. Well said, very well said and very true. Um, all right, before we go, what is one random fun fact about you? Mm, random fun fact about me. Victoria, I might have to think about this for a second. <laughs> we can <laughs> add it in. Um, I also got to live abroad in Bologna, Italy, um, when I was also figuring out my transition. Oh, so, so your random fun fact is that you got to live abroad in Bologna, Italy. That's not a small random fun fact. That's pretty <laughs> <laughs> so, so you just went overseas and lived there for how long? Um, I was there for eight months. I was actually um, in a part, it's hard to explain, but I was in a graduate school program prior to my MBA um, and was trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. That is a really cool random fun fact. Thank yeah, you for sharing. It's a fun one. <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> I love that you're always looking for these little adventures. So yeah, good. All right. Well, let's tell people where they can reach you. Yes, um, would love to connect um, with any and all of you. Um, my website for Boots to Board is uh, just Boots B O O T S two T O Board B O A R D dot com. Um, and also you can connect with me over email at uh, boots to board at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, Liz, it was awesome speaking to you. I really appreciate, appreciate you sharing your story with uh, the rest of the service Academy sorority. Thank you, Victoria. It's been such a pleasure today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to visit the service Academy sorority website to see photos, comprehensive show notes, and contact information for each guest. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. In addition, if you enjoy what you heard here today, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please feel free to submit your contact information on our website at www.serviceacademysorority.com.